0: Go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at a number of different scriptures, but we're going to mainly be in the Gospel of Mark this morning. We are continuing in our series called Love Came Down, and we've been uh, talking about putting the purpose really back in our Christmas, understanding why Jesus came. Why did love came down? What was he about? as he came and, and and in order for us to be about his business we need to understand what his purpose was and last week we saw that Jesus came to reach out to extend God's kingdom to others that's what our church is about to extend the kingdom of God to other people and to love other people and 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 what the lord did when he came he gave us A clear representation of what God's heart was really all about and who God's heart is for. For those that are broken, for those that are hurting, for those that are in need. He came for us. He came for us sinners. That's why love came down. So we learned last week that we are all about as a church, as we've kind of talked about our our new logo and our new brand, and we're moving forward with God's godliness and God is behind us and has our protection from behind. We're moving forward in his his name, what we learned about in the E, we know that that's for Eagles View, we know that, but we are also about extending God's kingdom. And I hope that if you were here last week, that not only were you able to just hear God's word and then you walk out of here and and maybe uh, you kind of forget about all that, but my prayer this week has been for you is that as opportunities would present themselves before you, you that you would remember that that is not only the purpose of our church, uh, that if you 're a part of us that you 're to be about extending god 's kingdom, but but as a believer that 's what God has called you to be about his father 's business extending his kingdom. There may have been opportunities this week where where maybe you were very busy, but but you saw another person that had a need and or that needed some love, and you were able to extend the kingdom of God to them in that time of need and. Our prayer is that we not only just know what we're about, but we really practice what we hear, that we practice what we find in the, the truth of God's Word. And, and I hope that you reached out to somebody this week, and I hope that you will in the coming days as, as well. You know one of the things that we say around here at Eagles View all the time you 'll hear me say it on a regular basis is that we don 't want to try to make you into a religious type person uh, that's if, if you are one then you 're probably going to be pretty uncomfortable here as a religious type person. What we desire is we desire to help foster a relationship that you have with Jesus Christ and that you can have that 's why love came down is so that you can have a relationship with God and we 're going to talk a little bit about that today and we 're not hoping that you become more of an outwardly religious type person. That's not what we're about. Unfortunately for so many people, they think the, that the gist of their relationship with God is, is pretty much for, for many is what happens here on Sunday morning in a time of worship. And this is a time of worship. But, but for, for, for us, what we're hoping to do is that worship becomes more than just what happens on Sunday morning for you. That your relationship is more than just what happens occasionally or at Christmas time or whatever. For so many people, their relationship with God, maybe it could be a little more accurately characterized, a little bit like this. Watch this video. Let's go ahead and start that over if we can. Not like my relationship with my
1: grandmother. They're both older than me and want to see me grow. relationship with God like my relationship with my grandmother. They're both older than me and want to see me grow up to be all that I can be. They're both loving and full of wisdom and great listeners, but the biggest similarity between them is that I rarely talk to either one. I love them both, but neither one is as interesting as TV or video games, so I just don't have time for them. I still communicate with them about twice a year, and that's enough for me. I would maybe call more often, but Grandma goes to bed so early, and God, he took a whole day to rest while creating the earth, so I have no idea what his sleep schedule is like, and I don't want to wake him up. Oh, well, I'll talk to them both on Christmas. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian.
0: Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian, all right? We laugh, and uh, and that's pretty funny. There's that's some funny stuff in there, a lot of similarities. There's a lot of truth in what we just saw in the, In the video, but uh, what we want to talk about today is why uh, one of the reasons why love came down, putting a little purpose back in your Christmas and you see love came down so that you and I could have a relationship with God, not just something that happens occasionally every now and then. God created us for a relationship he 's made it possible for us to enter into this love relationship with Him. In fact, when Jesus came, one of the as we read about that as he died on the cross as he 's paying for our sins we find that the, that the 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 veil in the temple that was called the Holy of Holies, there was this great barrier between an almighty God, a perfect holy God and sinful humanity, that when Jesus paid for our sins, that that veil was rent in two. And now you don't need me to be able to talk to God. You don't need a priest to be able to get into relationship with God. You have the capacity when you are in Christ Jesus to be able to go directly to God. Aren't you thankful for that during this Christmas time that... The because of Jesus, because of Him coming, you have a relationship with God. We know that a relationship is all based, the foundation of it is all based upon love. And I want you to see this passage in 1 John. This is not our main text today, but it it really, if, there, if I've never seen another, no, not that, if I've never seen another uh, uh, Christmas passage, this is a great one right here. I want you to see what it says. It says that, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world. That's a Christmas passage right there. By sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. Now this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as a sacrifice for us to take away our sins. So because love came down, because of Jesus... Because He came and He lived and, and He died for our sins, our sins have been paid for. And when we believe on Him... And... For eternal life, He gives us that eternal life when we believe on Him in faith, and and this is such incredible news because you see, not only has He saved us for future purposes, but He's saving us now, and He gives us this opportunity to be in a thriving, loving relationship with Him, even so, right now. And you know, uh, I I know that many of you this morning, as as you uh, heard the news about what happened this week, was with with uh, the Doss family. I know that that all of you were just heartbroken about that, and especially especially if you're a parent, you know, your heart was just uh, just incredibly touched by that. It's just hard to even fathom uh, going through something like that. Some of you within our congregation have been through some things like that. And, you know, there are great uh, sorrows a lot of times that come along with being a parent. There are great sorrows that we experience as we watch our kids and we see them go through certain things and the pain that they go through in their life. And but, you know, there are also some great joys that we rejoice in whenever we uh, have this relationship with our kids. One of my favorite things to do is, uh, is, is just to uh, go to my kids' activities. And they're always involved in something one way or another. But just to watch them in action. I love just watching my kids just be themselves. You know, when they're not trying to pretend, but they're just being themselves. They're just doing the things that they're made to do. Um, My son this past year, I loved watching him play football. He played on uh, one of the middle school teams out here. And it was one of my favorite things just to go and to watch Luke play football on Tuesday nights. And I loved watching him. And I remember the first first game that they had, and I would go and kind of watch some of the practices, and it was always kind of tough to tell which one that he was, because they're all wearing the same thing. They don't have names on their jerseys, and but I remember going to the game and seeing all of those boys out there. They're all wearing football helmets. You can't see their faces. Uh, they all have different numbers. Luke didn't know what his number would be, so when I got to the game, I didn't know what his number was going to be. But, you know, uh, because I have a relationship with my son and because I know my son, I could look out on that football field and I could just just kind of look over all the different boys that were out there. And it only took me a couple of seconds to figure out which one was mine. And it's because we have a relationship. I could tell by the way that he would stand in his mannerisms. I could tell, uh, you know, by the way that he would move around and I could tell which one was mine. I could tell by the way that he, that he looked his build and all of this. And they all look quite similar, you know, all those football players out there. And it was funny because my mom and I were sitting up there and we were watching and I said, she said, which one's Luke? And I said, he's that one right over there. He's number 62. And, uh, and, and Luke had his arms kind of on his hips like that. And she said, you know, I could always." tell which one you were out there because you always had your hand on your hips out there. And, and, and so he's doing exactly what you were doing. He's kind of like you in that sense. And, and, and so we know our kids because uh, we have a relationship with them. Trinity, uh, a couple of years ago, was really involved in gymnastics. And now she did not wear a helmet while she was doing gymnastics, although she should have at certain times. But while she was doing that, I always just took great pleasure in watching her. In watching her flip around and do all these things and go through the air, I took great pleasure in watching her. I love it whenever I'm out in the front yard doing something, working in the yard, and Trinity just gets on her bicycle and she takes off down the sidewalk. And I just love watching her in action. She doesn't have to pretend before me. She doesn't have to do things to try to get me to to, uh, pay attention to her. I just love watching her. I take great pleasure in watching our kids. And the reason that I, I could tell which one was Luke, the reason I take great pleasure in watching, my kids is because our relationship is important. The relationship that we have is is real. It's authentic. We communicate with one another. Uh, What happens in their lives is important to me whether it's just day-to-day things and I ask them when I pick them up from school I ask them about their day I want to know what's going on in their life I love it when they talk to me I love it when they have a, a just a, a just time to sit down and communicate with me when we just sit and visit about everyday things and 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 what I want you to understand this morning is that God wants a relationship with you God takes great pleasure in just watching you be you, watching you go through your every day. God was there when you were born, when you came out of your mother's womb. God was there in that room smiling from ear to ear. God has great plans and had great plans for you and has great plans for you. And, he, and, and some of you, you may think, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm just kind of this, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I was an illegitimate child. and you know, Or maybe someone's told you were, you were an accident. I want you to hear something. There are no illegitimate children. There are only illegitimate parents, okay? And uh, you were not an accident. God planned you. You were made for a reason. And the reason that you were made is to carry on a relationship with Him, to know Him in a deeper way. That's why Jesus came. That's why love came down. And, you know, there, there are a couple of sides to relationship. There's there's one side where God has loved you and He's extended that love to you. He's extended His kingdom to us. But the other side of that relationship is that God wants you to love Him back. God wants you to express your love to Him back. And in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, uh, as I asked you to turn there earlier, let me give you a little bit of context one day Jesus was, he was uh, meeting with some of the religious leaders and he was doing some teaching and they were kind of coming around him. And we won't t- take time to read the conversation that he had with a group called the Sadducees. The Sadducees were some religious leaders. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Jesus was, they were asking him about that and kind of testing him, wanting to know. And, uh, and so there was another uh, group that was standing around. These guys were called the Pharisees. They were another sect or religious group, and they were kind of the leaders over Israel. They were the ones that really kind of had their spiritual oppressing thumb on the people of Israel. As we talked last week that the people of Israel, they were so oppressed spiritually. They were dry spiritually. They were numb spiritually. They knew all the motions. They would go through all of these, but they were waiting on a Messiah, it was going to come and was going to introduce a relationship with God to them, and, and so this, this one Pharisee is standing by and he 's one of the smart ones, really smart ones of the group and, and he really qu- wants to quiz Jesus and ask him uh, some questions and so So Jesus finishes with the Sadducees and he answered them really well and, and look at with me, with me in verse twenty eight and i 'm reading from the new living this morning here 's what verse twenty eight says in Mark chapter twelve, the Gospel of Mark. It says one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. That's the debate that was going on with the Sadducees. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked of all the commandments, of all the law that's out there, Jesus, which is the most important? Now these commandments that he's talking about, and the law that's being talked about, you you may be wondering: Is he talking about civil law? Is he uh, talking what's he talking about here? He's talking about the Mosaic law. Now you should keep in mind that in the Mosaic law there were 613 laws in the Mosaic law that the Jews were to keep in order to be in right relationship with God. Obviously, you can see that it was impossible to be able to keep up with all of those laws. We have a hard enough time with ten, right, and the Ten Commandments there. They had 613. There were 200. 48 positive laws that they were to try to keep up with, that if you do these certain things, then these things are are going to, you're going to be blessed in this way. There were 365 negative laws. Do not do this. This is, I mean, so there were a lot more negative laws, and no one could possibly keep all of them. And so what they had done, the Pharisees had, had taken them, and they had divided them into, these are the heavy laws, or the really important laws. And these over here, these are the, the light laws, the ones that are not quite as heavy, and, and so he, the Pharisees taught that the Jews needed to give attention to all of them if they could, and so the people were very spiritually oppressed, but they particularly needed to focus in on the heavy ones. And so the Pharisees are asking, which of these heavy ones, Jesus, would you say is the most important? And so Jesus responds. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five. It's called the Shema. He quotes this. He also quotes Leviticus nineteen, eighteen. He says, in in verse twenty nine here, he says, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. And this is the Shema right here. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. The Lord our God is one, is what it says there, okay? And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. With all of your mind and all of your strength and then strength, and then and then Jesus says, "The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, "No other commandment is greater than these." He said, "This is the greatest of all these is loving God with every part of your being." every part of yourself, and loving other people around you. We kind of talked about the loving other people around us last week. We want to focus in on loving God this morning. And the problem is that, and what this is right here, this word circle greatest in your Bible or in your notes, what God is saying, if you you don't get anything else in life, here is what you're supposed to be doing with your life, is you're supposed to be loving God with every part of yourself. Loving God with everything. Loving God and loving people. And, and, and love came down so that you could be in this relationship with Him to be able to love Him and know Him and Him love you back and Him know you. Now, there's a word for this that is often misunderstood. And, and it's a word that many people don't quite have a full grasp of what this word means, of what we're talking about today. What we're talking about this morning is we're talking about this word, Worship. Now, the reason that this is a problem for so many people is that it's misunderstood, and we kind of have in our mindset that this is what worship is. Here are the acts of worship. It's often terms understood in terms of postures of worship, that that's what worship is. And so when you hear the word worship, for many of us, Uh, what do you think of probably automatically? For many of us, we think of singing, right? And singing is a component of worship, but that's not all that worship is. For many of you, when you think of worship, you may think of prayer or a posture of prayer, and that is a component of worship, but that's not all that worship is. Or or maybe for some of you, when you think of worship, you think of some rituals that you might go through. On on Christmas Eve, we're going to have the Lord's Supper or Communion on that night and encourage you to be here on that night because it is an important component of worship. For some of us though, we think that that's all that worship is. And what we want to do here at Eagles View is we want to be sure that we're teaching you that worship is far more than just these things that you, these outward expressions, these outward postures of worship. And this guy Jesus was talking to, I want you to see that he starts to get this. He starts to understand it, and in verse 32, here's what it says. It says, the teacher of religious law replied, here was his reply to Jesus. Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other, and I know it is important to love him with all of my heart, and with all of my understanding, and with all of my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. He says, I'm I'm starting to get that, I get this. But look at what he says right here. This is more important. What? Loving God and loving other people. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices that are required in the law. So this guy is saying, I'm starting to see that loving God with everything, every part of my being, that loving other people, That I'm starting to see that this is more important than, than, than the religious activities that we are often about that we are asking our people to go through the motions of, and they're bringing these animals and they're sacrificing them before us. I'm starting to see, or before God, I'm starting to see that what God really wants is He wants me to love Him. He wants me to be in a passionate relationship with Him. More so, not, not that these postures of worship are wrong, but that there's something behind them, that there's something that's motivating these things. Now look at what verse 34 says, realizing how much the man understood Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that... No one dared to ask him any more questions because Jesus knew how to answer the questions, right? And, and he would often answer a question by asking another one to them uh, to answer. And so you might write this down. You see, you're not only called, and this is part of our purpose at Eagles View. This is why love came down. You're not only called by God to extend God's kingdom, but this is part of your purpose in Christmas. This is why love came down. You are called by God to love him continually, to love God continually. This is what we are about. This is what Eagles View is about. This is why love came down. You see, the extending God's kingdom, that's reaching out. That's reaching out to others. Loving God continually, what that is, that's reaching up. Okay? It's reaching up to God. You're carrying on a relationship with God. If you don't get anything else in life, that's your primary objective. That's why you're created. That's your highest priority, and that's what we want to, in the remainder of our time, kind of expound on a little bit further. What does a person look like when they worship? Is this what they look like? Well, they could be worshiping like that, but I've I've, uh, been at certain times where maybe my hands have been raised in worship, and my mind was nowhere on worshiping God whatsoever. So you can do this and not be worshiping, right? Or uh, what does a person look like when they worship? Is this what a person looks like when they worship? Well, there may, there may have been times, and this is again as a posture of worship, there may have been times where my hands are folded and I'm, I'm maybe even mumbling some words that because I'm so used to saying words in prayer, but, but there's no thought behind what I'm saying and I'm just going through the motions. And have any of you ever done that before? I've done that on many occasions where we get distracted. We'll talk about that. So what does a person look like when they worship? Well, we want to talk about loving God continually. We want to show you what... ...what that means. There are all kinds of ways that you can worship God. There are millions of ways that you can worship God. We will not talk about the millions of them this morning, okay? Some of you are going, okay, we just want to give you just a few things for you to consider and why love came down. Now, probably in, in my opinion, one of the best verses that describes and defines what a person of worship looks like is found in Romans chapter 12. You can flip over in your Bibles there. Chapter 12, verse 1. And in fact, uh, we're going to read the one that's up on the screen out loud together, but I want to ask everybody per- to participate this morning. Let's read this out loud together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is from the NLT. And here's what it says. Say it with me, okay? What does it say? It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is what true worship looks like. Worshiping in spirit and truth. What does he say? I want you to circle a, a couple of words here. Circle the word give. Circle the word because. Okay, let's break these down just even further here. Um, what, what, what is worship all about? I want you to see a couple of things that we find in this verse. Worship is this. It is my response to God's love that has already been reached out to me. Worship is my response. It's my reaction to a God who has already loved me. Go back to that verse in Romans 12 and what does he say? He says, because of all that he has done for you, worship is my response to God's love. It's the way that I react. You see, in this case, God took the initiative he initiated the relationship with you. God always makes the first move. God does not ever ask you to make the first move. He's always, he's always making moves towards you, moving toward you, and, 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 and this is what He's done. He's created us. He's saved us. He's forgiven us. He, he blesses us. If you were to read the whole book of Romans... The first 11 chapters of Romans is Paul laying out this great treatise on on it's not the law that saves us. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that's made possible by God's grace through faith. And now what Paul is going to do in chapter 12, he's going to say, in light of all that God has done for you already and the way that He saved you, this is your response. It's giving Him your life. He's saying, Lord, I make my life yours. I am a living sacrifice. God's saying, I don't want your dead animals up on the altar anymore. I want, I want your living body. I want you to be a representative, an ambassador for me as you're going out. We love him because he first loved us is what First John tells us. And notice what we do. We give. Worship is giving back to God. Now, we may be thinking, oh, here he goes. He's going on with the money here. No, not necessarily, although that's a component of worship. What does God want from us? You know, uh, when, when he says offer, what is he asking us to offer? That's a part of giving. What does he, what does he want from us? Well, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, the things that is, is really difficult this time of year for me is shopping for certain people. You know, do you know somebody that it's like you just don't know what to get them? You know, does anybody have anybody like that? You're just you agonize over it. You go out. It's like I, I, anything you get them and you can even tell you worked really hard at getting them. Then when they get it, you know, you can tell it just didn't connect. OK, and you're like, man, I tried, but it just didn't work. And what in the world could you and I, what could we give a God who already has everything? You know what I'm saying? He's created the universe. He's created the world. What can we give a God who already has everything? What does God want? I'll tell you what you can give Him. You give Him your love. That's what God wants from you. He won't take it from you. He won't make you love Him. You have the free will to offer that to Him. To surrender every part of your life. Not just what happens here on Sunday morning and uh, the couple of hours that you come and you worship and you go to class or whatever it may be. Uh, God wants so much more than that. God wants every part of your life. He wants your life when you go to school. He wants your life when you go out in the midst of your job. He wants all of your finances. He wants he wants every part of you. He wants the way that you interact with your spouse. He wants your interaction with others within the community. That's what a life of worship is all about. It's not just an activity here on Sunday morning. God wants you to love him continually. It's giving back to God. He, he's very specific about how to do this because some of us are like, I, I just don't know what I, I can do or how I'm supposed to do this. And if you go back to Mark and you go to chapter 12 again and you look at verse 30 and here's what Jesus says. Will you read it with me out loud? Say it out loud, church. He says, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your, your strength. You know, when I look at that, I think, well, that's every part of me. That's all of me. That's what He wants. That's what He desires from us. You see, um, if you look at this, you could break this down even further in Mark. What we read is that God wants you to love Him thoughtfully. He wants you to love Him thoughtfully. That's with your mind. That's, that's you focusing your attention upon Him. God wants you to not only love Him thoughtfully, out of duty or whatever, God wants you to love Him passionately. It's a good thing to write down right here. He wants. He wants your desire for Him. He wants passion in your relationship with Him. That's loving Him with all of your soul and your heart. God wants you also to love Him very practically, because some of you are pragmatists, and you're thinking, how can I practically love God? Well, He says, love me with all of your strength. Let's just break those down even a little bit further. You see, the truth is, is although God has created everything in the world, and He is sovereign, and he's, all, he's over everything, Because there's a free will that He willingly gives us, okay? And this is the way He's created this. God does not force your attention upon Him. He wants you to offer that to Him. God does not force that. He doesn't have your attention unless you give it to Him. That's loving God with your mind. God doesn't have your affection unless you give it to Him. See, you're not forced into a relationship with God. That's loving God with your heart and your, and your soul. God doesn't have your abilities unless you give it to Him. That's loving Him with your strength. And whenever, whenever we talk about uh, take this, our ability, our, our attention, our affections, whenever you take the things that God has given you and the choice that He's given and you give those things back to Him, I want you to know that's loving God continually. See, that continually is a big part of it. It's not just in what goes on on Sunday morning. So so what do you worship is a good question because the truth is, is that we all worship something. There are all, all of us have something in our life that we give our attention to, we give our affections to, that we give our abilities to. We all have something that we worship in one way or another. The question is, is who do you worship? What do you worship? The love came down so that you could worship the one true God. Loving God continually means this. As I focus my attention on Him. Let's talk just about that very quickly. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. It's I focus my thoughts. I, I give my attention to God. Uh, I'm not so distracted. Randy and I were talking this past week of, uh, about uh, he's teaching a class at TCC. He's teaching a world religions class. And we were just talking about how if you look at every other religion, every other religion that is out there, there is not the possibility to have the personal relationship with God that we get to have through Jesus Christ. You realize that. If, if if you're a Muslim, you do not have the opportunity to have a relationship with Allah. Okay. Um, if you're a Buddhist, you do not have that opportunity to have this ongoing relationship with with Buddha. Um, but but we have this this opportunity to have this relationship with Jesus and. And in many of these religions, part of worship is kind of losing yourself in thought, letting your thoughts go wherever they may go. But 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 what we find is that, is that the way that we are to worship our God is with our focused attention. He wants us to, to focus upon Him thoughtfully. It takes energy to focus our attention upon Him. And, and I was confessing this in the first service this morning is that I have a little bit of a tendency to uh, be a little ADD. Anybody out there struggle with that? I do very much so. I get easily distracted. Um, I can get very distracted in my spiritual walk. I can get distracted, you know, anything going on, big time, squirrel, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Anything going on, I struggle with that. Some of you struggle with that, and I'm not making fun of that because I'm one that struggles with it, okay? It's kind of of funny in my own life. And uh, Hope will be like, focus, focus in, focus in on what I'm trying to tell you. She wants my focused attention. Okay, and uh, and so we get distracted by all these things that are going on. This time of year, it's funny how at Christmas we get distracted by all the things of Christmas, and so often we miss the purpose in it. And, and, and so God wants our focused attention. Do you know why God wants our focused attention? Because he's given it to you. He's given his focused attention in on you. And, you know, I can go through prayer on autopilot, as so many of you know how to do that. I can go through the motions of worship on autopilot on a Sunday morning and raise my hands and be mouthing words that my heart is not in it. I can go through those things, but God wants He wants my mind, He wants my focus because He's first focused on me. Psalm one thirty nine one and three one through three says this. He says, "You have the psalmist writes about God. You have looked deep into my heart, Lord. You know all there is to know about me. You know when I'm resting." And for some of you that are lazy, and you know when I'm working, you know, and when I'm not, okay, you notice everything that I do. Do you see that? You notice everything that I do and everywhere that I go. If you're to read that whole, he said, where can I go to escape your presence? I can't. You're always with me. You're always focused in upon me. And God wants that same kind of focus in. Uh, that for us to focus in on us, he never takes his eyes off of us. he never stops thinking about you. I want you to think about that. The reason is is that he made you to love you. He made you to be in this relationship with you, and the easiest thing for us to do as human beings is to lose our focus. You know We lose our purpose, we lose our our, our focus, and we 're not like the auto focus on a camera that you might have that it automatically focuses in on on the object there. Now we have to choose to focus in. And when we do this, this is loving God continually. There's so many things that are vying for our attention. I want to get really practical in how you do this. Some of you, you're already doing this, and you may be going through the motions of doing this, but I I want to challenge you to check your heart in in going through the motions. These things are good things, but if if your heart is far from God, maybe God's trying to get your attention through this. Some of you are doing these things that we're going to talk about very quickly here. Um, For some of you, though, who are new believers, this is going to be brand new. And what we're talking about in focusing your attention in on God, how do I how do I start my day off that way? How do I keep my attention focused in on God where everything is trying to take my attention away? How do I invite God into every part of my life? Well, first, you can begin by having what we call it just a daily time with God, just a time where you set aside and you focus your attention in on God. Some of you will know that is called being called a quiet time. Some of you, you've never heard that term before, but, but it's just a time where you get still before God, where you just get quiet before him. And, and, and no matter what's going on in the world around you, you, you block out just a, an amount of time. And I won't say what amount of time is right or wrong. That's between you and God. But you block out some time where you can sit qu- quiet and still before the Lord and you can hear from him because he wants to speak into your life and you can communicate with him. I love the way that the message reads in Matthew chapter 6. This is an encouragement for you uh, to do because love came down. He made it possible. Look at what, what, what Jesus says. He says, find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. I love that part. You don't need to try to pretend to be all religious before God. He knows what's going on with you. Okay, so he wants the real you where you don't have to be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And I want you to notice, then the focus will shift from you to God. And what will you begin to sense? His grace. You begin to sense His presence. You'll see God in things that maybe... If you just get up and you hit the floor running and you're not giving any thought to God whatsoever in your life, you'll miss all the things of God all throughout the day because you're not in tune with Him. And so it's important that you give God that first first part of your day or that you give Him some part of your day. That's important. I won't say, uh, you know, which part is best. The the best time is what's best for you, Okay? When you can actually give him some of your attention, it may be at lunch, it may be in the evening, I don't know, but but a time where you focus in on him... Get alone with God daily. One of the things we're trying to do here at EBC is just really help you along in your spiritual development and make this as practical as it can be for you. How many of you have a smartphone? Anybody have one of those? iPhone, Blackberry? Lift them up, okay? Lift your hands up. You don't have to lift the phone up, okay? But lift your hands up. Uh, So many of you have that, and I know some of you don't. But for those of you that do have that, you can go to our website and you can download an app now that uh, will help you. Some of you may already have this, but it's an app that is called UVersion. And uh, partnering with uh, Uversion, And they've got all these different Bibles that you can download on your phone now. And, and you know, we, we take our phones with us everywhere we go. And now you have the opportunity to take the Word of God with you everywhere that you go. Isn't that great? When you have time just to, uh, you know, to sit there and play Angry Birds or whatever it may be. You know, whatever dumb little game it could be. You also could just take a moment. Take a moment to read something in God's Word that will challenge you or speak to you. You know God wants to talk to you all throughout the day, and you don't have to carry around a big old fat Bible all day to do that. You may have that opportunity just, to, and then go play the dumb game, okay? Because I like to some dumb games. But but you you can you'll have you, we just have such opportunities with the technology that is that is available, okay? If you don't have that, you probably do have Internet access. Some of you are saying, "I don't know what kind of reading plan to get on. I don't know. Sometimes I just open the Bible and then I read something, and it's like it doesn't apply to me at all. You know, it's like Judas went and hanged himself. Go down and do likewise, or something like that. You know, it didn't speak to me. Okay, but but there is a Bible reading plans that are out there that you can go online. You can go to org. That's one that we have as a link on our website. Um, there's another one that Kyle has put up that helps you with journaling and knowing how to do that. It's it's just an important component." of your relationship with God. Uh, guys, we have more direct access to the Word of God than any generation that has ever lived. Do you realize that? Yet so many of us do not take advantage of what God has done by making His Word available. Do you know that love came down so that you could have a relationship with Him through His Word? You know, I want you to think about that. So have a time with God. The other part that you can do uh, in, in this time with God and not just a, a set aside time, but, but you know what God desires? He desires you to be in constant conversation with him, to carry on a relationship with him, to talk to him about things throughout the day. Yes, you can have a designated prayer time, but you know Paul says to pray without ceasing. He's not talking about you being on your knees all day. He's talking about you going about your everyday life and you're in such relationship with God that you talk to God about every component of your life. You talk to God about the things that you may be impulsively about to buy, right? You talk to God about, uh, about maybe something that you're tempted to do. You're in conversation with God. Some of you are going, I don't know what to say. I feel like I have to say thee and thou and all this stuff. Listen, you don't talk to your wife that way or, or you don't talk to other people that way. Uh, God just wants you to communicate with Him. He just wants you to be you. He just wants you to talk. That's why love came down so that you could do that. Psalm 105.4 says this. It says, worship him continually. The continually part is a big part of this. You know, some people, they do this, maybe every time they get in the car, they're reminded maybe to pray for somebody. Or every time they see something, you know, this is what praying without ceasing is about. And and as you do this, I want you to notice what's going to happen to your focus. Your focus is going to shift from you. Your focus is going to shift from all the anxiety that you carry to something different as you are in conversation with God because what you're going to realize is that you're really not in control to begin with. But God is. Don't you want to be in touch with the one who's really in control of all things? Isaiah 26.3, look at what it says. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you, whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. That's a continual relationship with God that's going on. So instead of carrying around worry and insecurity and anxiety and guilt and fear and discouragement, as you, as you carry on this relationship with God, the focus shifts from me. It shifts over to God, from you to God. And all of a sudden you begin to sense gratitude and hope and peace and purpose as you see other people differently see, it's not only worship is focusing my attention upon God, but here's what it is. Write this down. It's also it's expressing my affection to God. And for some of us, this is tough because we're not real expressive type people. You know, some of you expressions in worship, they kind of wig you out a little bit. That's OK. Um, some of you, you're more expressive. But but this is expressing my affection to God. This is loving God continually, loving God with your heart and with your soul. And, and maybe for some of you, the kind of family that you grew up in may have a large part of why maybe you're not as outwardly expressive. If You're not as outwardly expressive. You can be very inwardly expressive in your worship to God. And, and, uh, you know, some of you, maybe you didn't have someone express verbally a lot of communication about their love for you. Maybe you didn't hear a lot of, I love yous. And for some of you, you did, and it's easier to do this. And some of you think if I tell God, I love him, it's all kind of kooky, like, or it starts getting really weird. If I start, Talking to God in that way, but do you remember the first time you ever decided that you were going to tell somebody that you love them? Do you remember that? Okay, think back on that first time you decided I'm going to tell somebody I love them. Remember you had that kind of that feeling in your stomach of oh man, this could not maybe this isn't going to go well, or your your palms are sweaty, you're all nervous. You know why we were so nervous about telling someone else that we love them because they might reject us, right? They might reject that. You may not get the I love you too back, okay? And, uh, and then it's just kind of out there and you're dealing with that. But you know the great thing about the relationship with God is this, is that God has already taken all of the risk out of you telling him that you love him. He's already taken all the risk out because he's already told you that he loves you. 1 John 4.19 says we love Him. Say it with me, church. Why? Because He first loved us. So you don't have to worry about saying I love you to Him and being expressive to Him and Him rejecting you because He's already loved you. God wants your your love in return. He wants your expressive love. Hosea chapter 6. I love the way that, that this says this. Look at what God says. God says, I don't want your sacrifices. That's not true worship. That's not what I'm looking for. What I want is I want, say it with me, I want your love. That's what God wants from you. That's why love came down. He says, I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. I want you to love me. I want you to to know me. I want your passion. I want your heart. This is why Jesus came. And this is a busy time of year where we've got long to-do lists, right? And you may accomplish everything on your to-do list and sit down and feel pretty good about yourself. And I want to tell you something, if you, within the context of that day and all of your to do's that you're about being busy, did not take some time to get to know and love God better within that day then your day, although you may feel like it was a success, was not a success. But you may have this big to do list and don't you hate when you have it all planned out and nothing goes according to plan? That's how most of my to do lists end up going. All right? And then you feel at the end of the day like, man, I've not accomplished anything. I didn't get this done. I didn't get that done. You know, and I feel like a big failure because I didn't do this. But listen, if you've chosen within that day, even though things did not go well for you that day, if you've chosen within that day to still get to know God and to love God in the middle of your list, still falling apart, that was a successful day. You need to understand that. That that, uh, that that God wants your love. He wants you to know Him. It's about the passion. I've been married now for 18 years. Can you imagine if I walked up to Hope one day and I handed her some flowers and I say, Honey, here are some flowers for you. Uh, I'm giving you these flowers for three strategic reasons. Number one, uh, point number one, because I am your husband. Here are flowers for you. Point number two, it is our anniversary, and I remembered. And point number three, husbands are supposed to give flowers to their wives on their anniversary and remember. So I hope you're very blessed by this. And then I walk off, okay? Wouldn't Hope be thrilled, right? Okay, so much passion, so much heart, you know, involved in that. She'd be so thrilled, right? You know, what What Hope does not want from me is just this sense of obligation, although I'm obligated to her. Or this sense of duty for me, what hope wants for me, she wants all of me. She wants my heart. She wants me to love her with passion and expression, you know. And, uh, you know, God God doesn't want, oh, okay, I better go to worship today. Oh, okay, here's my tithe because I'm supposed to give this, you know, kind of Eeyore-like as you go through your day. I love you, God. Okay, it's time for me to sing songs to God you know, those things are all good things that we, are, we should be doing and expressions of our love. But what God wants is your heart in it. God made you to love you continually. He wants a relationship with you. So how can I express my affection to God? For some of you, it's been a while since you expressed your affection to God and you're thinking, I don't even know what to do. Let me tell you what you can do right now. You can just simply, just where you're seated, just begin to say thank you to God. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you that I'm free, that I get to come and worship here. Just take a look around at other other people and you see some of the things that they go through. You see some of what our own family members within our congregation have experienced this week. Thank them for your kids. Thank them for for just the relationship that you have. Can you tell him thank you today? Just thank you, God. Thank you. I'm so blessed. Thank you that I get to live here in freedom in my worship for you. Thank you that I'm still breathing. You know, you could probably think of hundreds and hundreds of things to be thankful to God for today. It's an expression. But you know what, God, uh, what, what? that's a great way to express it. But you know what, God's really looking for from you. He's looking for a complete, yielded surrender of your life. That's the greatest expression of worship. When I do a wedding and two people are standing before me and I say to this guy, do you? And and he says, I do. And do you, ma'am? Yes, she, she does. What are they saying? I'm giving you my life. All of me. My commitment. All of myself. That's the essence of love, is that gift of self to God. So when you say, God, I want to express my love to you, you say, God, I give you my heart, my soul. I give you my hands. You have all of me. Romans 6, 13, God says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves, what's the word, completely to God. For you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sin. You were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And it's always a response. It's always a response. You don't do that to earn God's favor. You do that because he's first loved you through his grace. So many of us, we don't want to give God this because we're afraid. We're afraid if we do, then God's going to go, ha ha, gotcha now. You've given all of yourself to me. I'm sending you to the deepest, darkest part of South America to be a missionary for me. And it's going to be a hard life for you now. We think that that's kind of the mentality is if we surrender. And God may call you to do that. You know what God just wants? He wants your everyday life. That's where He wants you to start. Everyday life. He made you to love you. You know, it's a response to His love. Just in closing... I uh heard the story about a lady named Liz Curtis Higgs. Some of you may know her. She was one of the best known disc jockeys in America a while back and she was wild. She was living a wild, riotous, partying kind of lifestyle—the kind that would be on some of the some of the TV shows that, that you know, the gossip shows. And and uh, in fact, Howard Stern uh, worked at the same radio uh, uh, that uh, or the same station that she was at, and he did the AM show, and she did the PM show. Okay, and Howard Stern was advising her to clean her life up. That's what kind of uh, life she was living. All right. So it was a rough life that she's living. And I just want you to know that she had been burned by a lot of men and she was really hurt and living a broken kind of life. And that was her expression of living that life out. And uh, she had become a militant feminist. This was the way that she had, was living her life now, and I underscore militant. But she had a, a Christian girlfriend that, that decided to continue to extend God's love to her and God's kingdom to her. And, and she kept inviting Liz to go to church with her and, and just over and over again. And finally she said, all right, I'll go, but I'm only going one time. That's it. I'll go one time, so so you'll stop asking me. But I'll go out of respect for you because there's something different about you. And so and so they went to church together. And wouldn't you know it that the that the verse that the preacher was preaching on on that day it wasn't about money, uh, but it was the verse where it says wives submit to your husbands. Okay, that's what the preacher was preaching on that day. And so as he's preaching on this, she's bristling all up and being you know getting all uh, all offended by this. And and uh, and then he goes on and he talks about. About the part of the verse that oftentimes gets overlooked, and that is the part that says, Husbands, you give your, yourselves, you sacrifice yourselves, give yourself for your wives, just as Jesus laid his life down for the church. And so he was focusing in on, on um, how a man's supposed to give all of himself and serve and love his wife in that way and be willing to die for his wife. And, 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 uh, and, and Liz, when she heard that part, she leaned over to her friend and she said, with a little cynicism, she said, Well, shoot, I'd gladly give my life to anybody or any man that would die for me like that. And her friend leaned over to her and she said, Liz, there's someone who has already died for you. And his name is Jesus. He gave Himself for you and He loved you. And it was not long thereafter that Liz gave her life to Jesus Christ and trusted in Him as her Savior. And, and, and she now is a well-known speaker and author and, and Christian author. And, and some of you are thinking, you're saying, Bart, this thing about loving God, I just, I just don't love God enough. I don't, I don't know how to do that. You see, that's not our problem. Our problem is that most of us do not realize how much God already loves us. And when we finally grasp that, the loving God in return just kind of begins to happen in expressions. You know, we start loving him in return when we finally realize how much God loves us. We give him our attention and affection and, and then we give him our abilities. Our abilities, this is loving God with all your strength. That's the practical expression of love. Colossians three twenty three says this it says whatever you do. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. If you get this verse, it will absolutely revolutionize your life. Some of you hate your job. You hate where you work. You hate your chores, maybe at home. You hate all these different things that you do. You see, when you realize this, is that when when you are a believer and you belong to Jesus Christ and you're in relationship with Him, He says, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. Serve in, in, in all of your heart. You don't work for those people. You work for God. God is the one that you are in relationship with. And yes, you may actually work for them and they're paying your paycheck, but what you do, you do that unto the Lord. You do what you do is unto God. This is loving God continually with your abilities. It's not just the way you serve in church. That's a part of it. But it's, it's every day loving God continually. We're about extending God's kingdom. and We're about loving God continually. It's about our worship day in and day out. So who do you worship? What do you worship? Let's pray together. Let's pray. If you don't get anything else we said today, I want you to get this truth. That It's it's in life it's not what you do that matters, it's who you do it for. That's how you love God continually. Romans 12, 1 in the message, I want you to hear this. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. You place it before God as an offering. It's an offering. Giving God your life. This morning, there are some of you that maybe you've never come into a personal relationship with God. You've never understood that that's why Jesus came. That's why we have Christmas. You're right there where you're seated, you can place your faith in Jesus. He died for your sins. He died for you, so that you could have a relationship with Him. You might just pray something like this to Him. And it's the condition of your heart that may you say, Lord, I just I, I trust in You today for my eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me so that I can have eternal life. Lord, I want to develop this relationship with you. As best as I know how, Lord, I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and paying for my sin and forgiving me of my sin. Lord, I want to be a Christian today. Some of you, you've already been a believer. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. And what the Lord's expressing to you today is He just wants all of your life. You have the choice to lay that down before him or you can take it up out of here and compartmentalize your life like so many other believers do all across our country where you don't give him, you just give him just a portion of yourself. What God wants is he wants you because he loves you. Father, this morning we yield to you. We love you. We thank you that love came down so that we could have a real relationship with you. Lord, I pray for these people this morning, Lord, that you would... Lord, just continue to reveal Yourself more and more to them throughout the day. Lord, about Your love, reveal Your love to them, Lord, through uh, the way that You've expressed it to us in so many different ways. And Father, just, just teach us what it means, Father, to love You continually. Continue to teach us this. Lord, teach our church more about this. Teach us what it means to love You and to love other people. We thank You that Jesus came so that we could have this relationship. And extend your love to other people. In the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said. Amen.